Now we're going to have our message of today. will be possibly made possible by our pastor, Steve Andrews, entitled The Witness of Stephen. Bible study preparations was the anticipation for the feast day, Pentecost. Matt had yearly had put out the calendars with the 50 days up into Pentecost. And we got to talking about it. Why not do something? Why not have something to anticipate that holy day, to look forward to it by Bible studies? And so that's how it came about. And uh, I'm very thankful for that I didn't have to do all six of them, that Matt and uh, Curtis were very good at doing it. Mine didn't tend to be, tend to be as, as verbose, but I think we, we did really well in getting that, that message out. You can imagine what it would have been like for the disciples at that particular time, and they would become apostles later, but at that time they were still disciples of Jesus Christ, students of Jesus. And, by the way, I will be repeating some of Curtis's uh, stuff today, because what I want to do is I want to continue on looking at this, especially the example that is shown by Stephen's um, martyrdom. But, that anticipation that, the, that Jesus gave them. I mean, they were, they were holy day keepers anyway. They were Sabbath keepers and holy day keepers. They were, they were Jews. So they were very familiar with the days, just as we are. But this, Jesus was help, trying to help them to understand this was going to be something totally and completely different. A very profound event was going to happen. And, and we see that, as, as Curtis had read it already, but we see that in Acts, the first chapter, because I want to review that real quickly in the thought that they're standing there and listening to Jesus, listening to his powerful words, and of course, <laughs> with all the miracles and things that he did and all the powerful things that he did, I think that the disciples were very much attuned to his words and very much and, and very anticipate, uh, anticipating the words. And it says in, and I think I'll start in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. I didn't do it. <laughs> that help a little? Get it up a little bit? Uh, <clears throat> shall we try again? Okay, we'll give it a try. 
He showed himself after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together, they, um, together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which says, He, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Wow. When they therefore came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? This was on their mind. This event was coming. Is this the time? Is this what's going to happen? Is this why this is all going to happen? And Jesus said unto them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. And that is the key to what happened to all of these that followed, to become witnesses to Jesus Christ, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria. And he then expands it. So this is not just something that's going to happen locally and and, and it's just going to be a one-time event. But he says then, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Another prophecy by Jesus telling us that it's going to go to the world. And they're going to continue to do it until he returns. And of course, when he had spoken these, these things beheld, he was taken up into the cloud and, and, and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, he stood up, and behold, two men stood by them in, in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This Jesus, which is taken up from, uh, into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen to go into heaven. So there was this anticipation, both of what was going to come and potentially the return of Christ. And we know from the New Testament that the disciples and the, and the apostles and different ones had even thought that it might come in their time. And some of their prophecies and all of the things that came about might come in their time. And Paul, towards the end, there were some writings like maybe he's not, maybe it's not coming at this particular time. So, but we also see something. Jesus' warning, which I thought was very interesting. Let's do this real quickly here in Matthew, the 10th chapter. Because he also helped them to understand that in coming times, they were going to face some very difficult times. In Acts, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep into the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Sometimes in our own... Um, encounters with people. Uh, I didn't you know, want to bring any of my message out while Curtis was going through the different things. But one of the things that, 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 that struck me is that sometimes we, even in our own situations, have to be very careful how we approach people. We have to be wise, and then we have to be 
um, wise as a serpent, but as harmless as doves. Because some people take things very, very mm, differently. Everybody has a different personality. You come on hard on one person, they're going to reject you. You might come on soft to another, and maybe, you know, they're just, ah. So you, God has given us that spirit to understand them. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaks in you. I think this is extremely key in sometimes even in our own situations. If we know we're going to get into a situation in which we're going to, to, to have to, to witness, testify, whatever, we need God's Holy Spirit to do it, don't we? We need that power to be able to, um, to come through in that. I know when I was younger, those things just, I, I would get into situations and I would, my mouth would just quit operating. My heart would start pounding and my mouth would just quit operating. And I know that I was not able to articulate the things that were, was in my heart and, and what I would really feel. But maybe that wasn't the time for me to witness. I, I don't know, but I, I know I've been in situations like that. And maybe you have too. Maybe there are situ situations like that. I'm gonna uh, skip this, um, oh, no, let's, let's do that. I've had, I have time to do that. Let's go to Acts, the second chapter. I'm not going to read all of that because this is what I want to do. I want you to understand the people that came through this tremendous miracle on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given, when the tongues of fire were given to those that were, uh, those 120 that were there in that upper room, and as, they, as Peter preached that powerful sermon, and they those that were listening were pricked in their hearts. And it says in verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received this word were baptized the same day, and there were added unto them 3,000 souls. 3,000 individuals that, that day. <laughs> that, Wow, what a, what a baptism. 3,000 individual souls were baptized that day. And they continued steadfastly in the, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and their goods and parted them all men as every man had need, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat and with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. So not only were those three thousand, but they were this they were adding daily to the church as as should be saved. I want to skip over now to the witness and the area that I, I want to focus on, which is the witness of Stephen. 
And I'll go ahead and read all of chapter 6 and part of chapter 7 because I think this witness and this situation was very profound in that it set a tone and a direction uh, for the church because of Stephen's martyrdom. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring among the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples to them and said, It's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out you among seven men of honest report. And here is an important part, full of the Holy Spirit. They had to have the um, fruits. They had to be showing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we have who may appoint over this business. And so this congregation of disciples that were together, they then chose these seven men. But we will give ourselves to continual perverse for and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Perchorius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicolaus, a proselyte of the Antioch, whom they set before the apostles when they had prayed, they laid their hands upon them. So here, here we have an example of a setting apart of these seven individual men in which they prayed over them and they laid hands on them and they were what we call deacons. Deacons! But imagine the power of the the Holy Spirit that was given to these men. They were not confined. Yes, they served, they gave. But God, when he gives his spirit, and he wants you to do something, and he puts you in a situation, he will give you the power to do it. And we'll see that in Stephen's uh, situation. He said... Um, and the word of God increased, verse 7, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Uh, that's terrible. This is a meat. This is a deacon. He's doing all these miracles and powerful things. No, God's Holy Spirit was working. That's what is important in what we learn in the Bible. It was a powerful message to everyone that when God's Holy Spirit is working, we allow that to happen. Because <laughs> it is going to happen because that spirit is going to, to, to burst forth. And so with that, Stephen was full of faith and power and great wonders and miracles among the people. Unfortunately, then there arose certain of the synagogue which called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of them of the uh, Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. So he, he didn't get away with all of it. He was had a lot of arguments. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they suborned men. Here we go again. False witnesses. They suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and the king upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set upon false witnesses which said, This man ceases not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and, this, and the law. 
For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place, shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as it in the face of an angel. God was giving Stephen a very special commission. Unfortunately, it was a commission to death. But it was a powerful one that was set in the, in the Bible for, our, for us to read, and his witness is powerful. I want you to understand I can't read the whole thing, but you can. We all can. We can go back. We can, we can really go through, and we can think about the power in which Stephen came to these men and began to preach and how they began to really hate what he was saying. I, don't, I want to start in, I think, verse 38. And I, one of the things that we notice right away, what's he do? He focuses on the history of Israel. He focuses on God's powerful um, movement in, in Israel from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way till the time that they came to the Mount of Olives and, uh, I mean, uh, to the... Uh, um, to the Mount where Moses, um, the Mount Sinai, where Moses uh, goes up to to uh, receive the law, and continues on. That's where I want to start. Verse thirty-eight. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spoke to him in the in the Mount in Mount Sinai, with our fathers who received the li- lively oracles to to give us. To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turn back again into Egypt. One of the things that we we find from Stephen's message is two things. Historical perspective, and he also lets them know that there was sin, and it was still continuing on. And that they, they were not repentant. And that is the reason why they were very angry with him because he also let them know that they had killed the just one, Jesus Christ. So let's go on. So they said to Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifice to the idol and rejoiced in the works of their hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of the heavens, as is written in the book of the prophets. O you house of Israel, have you offered me to slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of forty years in the wilderness? Yea, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Rimfam, figures which you made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Now, imagine this. He's talking. He's he's confronting these individuals with this argument. I'm reading it, and I don't have it memorized. (laughs) Sorry about that, but I don't. He has it. The Spirit is giving him the words to say. It is pouring out of him. And I imagine it is pouring out in power, in great power. And so consequently, what he is saying is really, really touching these people deep down, really deep down. 
He says, our fathers had the uh, tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed speaking to Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers came after brought with, uh, brought in with, uh, and that it says Jesus in the book, but it's actually Joshua into the possession of the Gentiles whom God drove out before the face of our fathers in the days of David who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a, thr- uh, a house. However, the Most High dwells not in temples made with hands, as says the prophets. He says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. Oh, whoops. <laughs> he just laid it on them just right there. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one of the whom you have, uh, have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the dispensation of animal, a- angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were angry. They were very angry and they were very upset. But he was full of Holy Spirit. I think I, when I read this, I realize he... Maybe he knows that his time, this is it. I am preaching my, my last words. And I am going to, God is, is just pouring it out of me. He wants me to lay it on them. He wants me to give it to them. He wants me to, to, to bring a tremendous, powerful message to these people that are standing there. And he may know that this is going to be his last Realize this, that God was working through Stephen in this and giving him the power to do this. We just, we just went through that power. It's, it's available sometimes when we need it, when we're in situations in which we need that power. If we pray that God will, will provide it, we can receive that power. Just as Stephen had that power to face these men and to... Take it on himself. He said, um, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Do you not know that, that Jesus had a tremendous love and, and, and heartfelt feeling for this individual? To open the heavens to show him? To show him what what it was all about? They cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes as a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And just like Jesus, he knelt down, cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
as one of the most profoundly powerful witnesses in the Bible. Now, we have other witnesses, but for Stephen to stand there knowing he probably was not going to survive this, and knowing that they were stoning the, them and, and killing uh, witnesses and different things, he really, God's spirit was in him and really powerful that day. In chapter 8 now, we find something else very interesting. This witness of Stephen opened a door, brethren. Sometimes what God does, we don't understand, do we? Sometimes some things happen that we really don't... Cons I wish I understood why this happened. Why did this particular situation happen and something else happens? Well, that's what happened here. Because who was standing there? Saul was consenting to his death. Saul was the one that told him, you kill this man. He's blasphemous. You kill this man. And at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women and committed them to prison. I mean, he was dedicated. <laughs> he was dedicated to put these, these uh, blasphemous people into prison or to have them, uh, have them killed. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad and everywhere were preaching the word. Let's turn over now to finish up because sometimes God likes to use people even though they have been very sinful and done some very, very bad things. And Saul was one of them. What Jesus saw in him, you and we, we would not see it. I mean, if we were, we were in that group of people and we were watching and we saw Saul and he was making all this, we would be kind of wanting to get away, wouldn't we? We'd be wanting to leave the scene because we wouldn't want to be anywhere near where he, he was at because this guy was, was coming after people. He was putting them into prison. He was, he was doing all the, the things that uh, was against the church. But Jesus saw something different. And that's the reason why when we read that part in the, in the Bible about um, who God chooses, who God chooses. I mean, it's important to understand that there's a reason why we're chosen. There's a reason why we have this truth. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to, this, to, to Damascus, to the synagogue, that, he, um, that if he found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick at the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, 
what will you have me do? And the Lord says, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what to do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. So he was blinded. God wasn't letting him just get by with all he was doing, but he had a great purpose for this man. He led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And so he was praying because he had met the master. The witness of Stephen had brought about through the persecution of Saul, who became Paul, and that powerful um, witness then, I am sure, lived with Paul for the rest of his days on this earth. Also, Remember, several times he said, I was persecuted, and I, I persecuted the church. And he said, but I have, <laughs> in a way, he said, I have paid for it. I have received stripes. I have gone hungry. I have done so many things. And I was one, an apostle, out of order. I was not a part of the original. But God has used me as a powerful witness and so we can see from the witness of Stephen what can happen if we, through the Holy Spirit, are called to change the life of someone else. 